Come on, you can do louder than that. You gotta have your graduation tassel hanging from the rear view mirror and crash that symbol, baby. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. How's everybody doing? Man. Ain't nothing like journey. Nothing. I mean, every wedding you go to, the floor fills up when journey starts to play. So, Don't Stop Believing is the title of my message and the theme song in our Summer Jams Tour, Volume 2, today. You guys ready? Uh, I, I had another song I was thinking about um, doing, but I was like, no, I'm just going to stick with Journey because you can't go wrong with that. And, uh, but uh, the other one was James Brown. Ah! But uh, either one of them had high voices, so I just stuck with Journey, so... Amen. So it's good. Uh, welcome, everybody, if you're a guest with us during the summer. If you're here to drop off your teenager, to get rid of them for a week with us, thank you for joining us uh, for these last few moments before we take your teenager up the mountain and torture them. I mean, bless them. Praise the Lord. And it's going to be a great time. We have overbooked this year's camp. Uh, we tried to hit 250, and I think we ended up with almost 270. So uh, they will be packed into this auditorium that holds 200. Uh, it will be a move of God, one way or another. And uh, so it's going to be an amazing time. So all the teenagers are headed up to summer camp today. And I personally just want to thank anybody and everybody who either uh, somehow sponsored a teenager, bought a meal on a Sunday, took an envelope off of their wall to help uh, our teenagers get to summer camp this year. This is the first year Pastor Jennifer and I are not there for the whole camp. We're going up today just because we don't have anything else to do. But, uh, <laughs> and just a babysit, but Tierra is running the entire camp this year. And uh, she pretty much ran it last year. Uh, I went bass fishing at the lake. I was at camp, but I was bass fishing. So praise the Lord, serving the Lord. Suffering for Jesus. Bass fishing at the lake. Praise God. But uh, So I didn't do anything last year either, but I was there. So uh, they're going up to camp. It's going to be an amazing time. We have a guest speaker coming from uh, somewhere in Texas. And uh, he just spoke to a 1,000 teenagers at a big youth convention in Oklahoma City. And uh, so we're really uh, expecting just amazing things of God. And uh, your teenagers' lives are going to be changed. Pastor Jennifer and I have been doing summer camp since 1994. Some of you aren't even that old, and, uh, but I've been doing summer camp, so uh, uh, we're excited to uh, pass the torch and move on, and uh, don't miss next Sunday, uh, because the teenagers come back from camp. On... You're not a teenager, but you're screaming, so uh, uh, all the teenagers come back from camp all excited and pumped, and uh, next Sunday we got some special announcements we're going to share with the church, some things that God's doing here, so don't miss next Sunday, little uh, FYI right there, amen? So uh, open your Bibles with me today, we're going to continue our series, Summer Jams, 
and uh, open it to, I don't know, somewhere's good, find it, uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, just go to 2 Kings chapter 7, we'll dive off there, you're like, where is that? That's right before and after 1 Kings in the Old Testament, so if you're in Corinthians, it's the wrong one, 2 Kings chapter 7, and uh, you know, back in the day, like in the 80s and 90s when you went to church, everybody, everybody had, you had, to, you had your Bible, you had your Bible toting like case and everybody had their leather Bible cases or they had their leopard. It was like, a, it was like an accessory right. for the ladies. They had their cheetah print uh, purse on this side and then they had their, they, they had their zebra print a Bible case on the other side and that's how you came to church and then you were decked out in your giraffe dress. I mean... Does anybody remember those days where it was all about your Bible case, your Bible cover was your accessory, right? And you, and everybody, look, oh, I like that Bible case. I like what you're, you know, wearing with it. Some of them had chains hanging off of them. That's what it was like. But now everybody, you just, just got your phone case. But uh, if you still have the uh, traditional version of the Word of God on ink paper, then it uh, looks like this one right here, if you've never seen one. And if you don't have one, we'll be glad to give you one uh, today. So 2 Kings, if you're, see, when you go on your phone, you don't really know where it is in the Bible. You just hit the, hit the button. So it helps to have this so you actually learn where they are. Because uh, you don't even know how many are actually in the Bible because you, you don't count the buttons. But there's 66 books in the Bible. You thought it would have been like 77 since God's number is 7. But there's 66 for some reason. So anyway. Uh, it's his word, so he couldn't make up those other ones. Eleven rebellious people didn't write it, I guess. But uh, uh, So I'm going to pick up in actually chapter 6 of 2 Kings. And I'm going to explain to you what's happening, kind of like the preview of the movie. And then we're going to read it, all right? So or we'll read it first, but then I'm going to recap what happened in chapter 6. Because this is a... This is an amazing story, and today is not necessarily going to be like a teaching type message, although there's some teaching in it. Today is like, it's summer, it's going to be 100 degrees out. I thought, we just need some encouragement and some refreshing. And so we're just going to, if you, if, if you, pull, if you pull it out of me, it might, it might show up. Ha <laughs> Like that. Amen? But if you just sit there and look at me like a frog, then it ain't going to really happen. Praise the Lord. 2 Kings chapter 7, starting in verse 1. We're going to read the whole thing. I hope you can handle that. Sometimes in church, it's like five scriptures limit, and people freak out. But we're going to read the whole chapter. Are you ready? 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. It says, And Elisha replied, I think they might, look at these guys are good. They got it up here on the screen behind me if you don't have a paper Bible or a phone. Elisha replied, Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, say tomorrow. In the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. And 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, notice he's the man of God. That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. Interesting. Malachi chapter 3 talks about God opening the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. See, when you start, sorry, let me just keep reading. All right. 
Now there were four men. Everybody say four men. With leprosy. That ain't good. Not leopard outfits. Leprosy. Okay? That means it was a skin disease. And does anybody not know what leprosy is? It's okay if you don't. Raise your hand. I'll tell you. Everybody knows? All right. Skin disease. Your skin goes away. Whatever. Um, There were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? So they're having this conversation amongst themselves. They asked each other, we will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Armenian army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. It's a good day. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Armenians. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused, who did? The Lord. Thank you. For the Lord had caused the Armenian army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and woo, clothing, and then they hid it. Finally, they said to one another, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Armenian camp and they said, and no one was there. The horses, the donkeys were tethered and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeepers shouted the news to the people in the palace. The king got out of bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I know what has happened. The Armenians know we are starving. So they have left their camp and have hidden in the fields. They are expecting us to leave the city. And then they will take us alive and capture the city. One of the officers replied, we had better send out scouts to check into this. Let them take five of the remaining horses. If something happens to them, it will be no worse than if they had stay here and die with the rest of us. So two chariots with horses were prepared. And the king sent scouts to see what had happened to the Armenian army. They went all the way to the Jordan River following a trail of clothing and equipment that the Armenians had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king about it. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Armenian camp. So it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver. And 12 quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver, just as the Lord had promised. The king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but he was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. So everything happened exactly as the man of God had predicted or prophesied when the king came to his house. The man of God had said to the king, by this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will, be, will cost one piece of silver and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. The king's officer had replied that couldn't happen even if the Lord had opened the windows of heaven. And the man of God had said, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you will not be able to eat of any of it. And so it was, for the people trampled him to death at the gate. The four men came to the idea, if I'm going to die, it's going to be on my terms. 
And this is what happens in this amazing story is four lepers, say four lepers. Four lepers lepers decide that they want to change their situation. That they might as well take a risk. They might as well do something. Amen. And so here are these guys. And it's an amazing story. So we read that. We read this part of the story, but what we don't know is what happened in chapter 6. And chapter 6 sets up this whole thing that we read about in chapter 7. So in chapter 6, we won't read it because that was just too much Bible reading for some of us today. Right there was a whole chapter. <laughs> Whew. Some of you are like checked out on Facebook already. But there was famine in the land. And so they were eating the day before. Remember at the beginning of that chapter says, and tomorrow about this time? So we're rewinding to the day before. So let's say like Saturday, yesterday. It comes and they are eating a donkey's head, which probably isn't that great. And they're eating dove's dung. Now I don't know about you. Anybody got any ideas how you cook? Dove's dung. Do you boil it? I mean, it's a bad day when you're eating dove doo-doo, right? Do you boil it? Do you, do, you, do you fry it? Maybe you, maybe you go, maybe you just go full-on burrito-style chimichanga taco and deep-fry that puppy. And have dove dung fried puffs. Maybe you put it in a bowl and add some milk. Make some good cereal out of it. Dove doo-doo cereal. Come on. So remember now, this is the day before. There was so much famine in the land that they're eating donkey's heads for, I think, five seconds of silver and dove's dung. That's a bad day. And then... Uh, some of you might be recognized this scripture if you've heard or gone to get on. There were two ladies who had a discussion and they, went, what they said to one another, Hey, tomorrow, let's boil your son and eat him. And then, or today, and then tomorrow we'll boil my son and eat him. So the one lady, they agreed to this and they went and boiled. The first thing you want to do is you want the other person boiling their son first. Strategy, people. And so she boils her son, and they eat him. It's one thing to eat dove's poop. It's another thing to boil your own son. That just tells you how bad it was. And then the next day, they go to boil the other lady's son, and she hid her son. Hello. Sucker. And uh, so she hid her son, and then the other lady goes and cries to the king, and the king freaks out. Now remember, this is the same king that we read about in chapter 7. So all this is taking place, and then we arrive, and the prophet, at the end of chapter 6, he's having this discussion, and this vision type thing is taking place, and he had prophesied to the king. And so the king, in the end of chapter 6, says, I'm going to get Elisha, and I'm going to take his head off. This is what the king says. Chapter 6. Then Elisha sends the prophet or sends the king a prophetic word and says, King, I got a good word for you today. He goes, Tomorrow at about this time, one 
whatever, the barley is going to be sold for one shekel of silver and, a, and flour for one shekel of silver. So this is why it was so unbelievable what the prophet declared because right now, today, they're eating dove doo-doo and they're boiling each other's sons. And now the prophet comes and says, it's going to be a good day tomorrow. How is all this happening? See, what you don't understand is God's working behind the scenes when you don't see what you're supposed to see. When you maybe doesn't look that great, when all you're eating is beans or top ramen. Because you're eating that today, but if someone comes and prophesies to you that tomorrow prosperity is coming your way, it don't look like prosperity is happening right now while you're doing your top ramen or your beans and rice. Because all we know is what we're in now. But see, the word of God came through the prophet. Amen. And the word of God has already come and spoke over us. So we can believe what we're living in or we can believe what we want to expect God for. It's really up to us what we believe. Amen? Because he says, hey, king, I got a good word for you. I got a good word for you. See, the opposite of faith is not fear. Well, you're not operating in faith because you got too much fear. No, the opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of love is fear. The opposite of love is fear because the Bible says perfect love casts out all So then that means that love must be the replacement for fear. So you either operate in your life in fear or you're operating in love. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. Amen. The opposite of faith is actually sight, not fear. It's seeing things. It's circumstantial. I can grab a hold of it with my eyes and I can see it. So the opposite of faith and believing in the unseen is the opposite of seeing, believing in what I can see. It's the opposite of those things. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So the opposite of faith is sight, not fear. So then we always want to go, well, you know, so when God speaks and I just, I just call it, you know, there's people like, I just call it like I see it. I'm a realist. Now I'm going to confess to you today. I have said that many times. I'm a realist. Here, here's a phrase that's kind of, I hear it all over the place. Talk, radio, sports, all this. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> Come on, how many have said that over and over again? And, and I, I'm like, man, people say that a lot. I don't really understand why. Well, it just is what it is. Well, he's going to go to jail. It is what it is. She had an affair. It is what it is. I gained 50 pounds. It is what it is. I like donuts. It is what it is. My kid dropped out of high school. It is what it is. I'm stuck on drugs. It is what it is. I mean, it's like this excuse. Like, like we don't want to take responsibility for what has happened in our lives. So it's like, well, it is what it is. So just deal with it, baby. It is what it is. And I'm just like, why do people use that statement? Because it is what it is. Like the Clippers got Kawhi and Paul George. It is what it is. Laker fans. Hey, baby. Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn. It is what it is, Golden State. 
I ain't got no sports people in the first service today. What's up? Now, that second, that last illustration, I did that specifically for Jay and Angela. Is there a Golden State Warrior? Well, they used to be Golden State Warrior fans. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. See, I just, I, just, I just call it like I see it. See, but you're not walking in your faith when you're walking by what you see. It is what it is. No, it ain't what it is. It's what are you believing for. You don't have to accept what it is. Well, it is what it is. No. It is what it is because that's by what you see. That's circumstantial. That's the situation that's been handed to you. But believing by faith is not being moved by what you see. See, we don't see with these eyes. We see with this eye. Like, oh, you got an eye on your chest? No. Like, <laughs> the Spirit of God on the inside of you. <laughs> yeah, you want to see? I was in a freak show when I was a kid. No. <laughs> Sorry. Bring it back. See, you're not walking by faith if you go by what you see. Amen? Don't see with the eyes that you have. See with the eyes of faith. See, here's, here's what happens. When you lean on the seeing realm, that is what will support you when trouble or difficulty comes. But if you lean on the faith realm, then when trouble and difficulty comes, you respond by faith. The unseen. Amen? Amen. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own. It is what it is. Just call it like I see it. Amen. Think about, think about the guy who came to the Vegas desert. I don't know who it is. But whoever it was. Some wacko. <laughs> comes strolling through the hottest part of the United States. The desert. And says, huh, this is kind of cool. Just a bunch of sand. Some mountains. You know what I see? I see resorts. I see swimming pools. I see skyrise buildings. I see golf courses. I see shopping centers. I see restaurants. I see people flying from all of the world to come to this desert. Someone built the first building, casino, hotel, buffet, <laughs> in Vegas one day long ago. And now many of us leave all of our ties <laughs> in Vegas. It is what it is. It is what it is. I just tell it like I see it. But here's the deal. The guy who had a vision for Vegas was not motivated by mission. He was motivated by money. And there's a difference between being motivated by money or motivated by mission. 
So when we stand up here and we do generosity time, we're not motivated to get your money. We're motivated by the mission that God has placed in our hearts to accomplish. We're more than a church in a city. We're a movement to the world. I think we sang about that this morning. Amen? And so you have to understand, that's what church is about. We're not motivated to build Generations Church and chicken wrenches in Myanmar and all these types of things because we want money. Now, many people accuse pastors and people, all you want is my money. It is what it is. <laughs> but you got to understand, I'll just be honest with you, there might be some jacked up pastors out there that they're motivated by money. I'll just, t- I, there might be. There might be. But we have to be motivated by mission. Amen? Mission of expanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mission of planting churches, generations churches in other cities, in Southern California, across the United States, and other parts of the world. It's about the mission. So you have to have a vision for the mission. Just like someone went to Vegas in the middle of the desert and had the audacity to have an idea that people would fly from all over the world to the hottest part of the United States to set in pools and play and give away their money. It's an amazing vision, motivated by money. Now, this is an amazing story because in chapter 7, you guys hanging with me? Yeah. It's interesting because if you start at the first part of chapter 7, can you guys put the first three verses up there for me so they can all see this? Watch, watch what happens here. Elisha replied. So remember, chapter 6 just happened when the king says, I'm going to take his head off. And then Elisha says, hey, king, I got a good word for you. Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. And 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. Next verse. The officer assisting the king, is key, the officer, said to the man of God. This guy was an idiot. I don't know why I said this. That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened up the windows of heaven, which is exactly what happened. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat it, any of it. Now, he didn't add, because you're going to get trampled by the people of the city and you're going to die, sucker. He just said, but you won't eat any of it. Now, watch this. So that's verse 1 and verse 2. And then all of a sudden, verse 3, now there were four men with leprosy. What? Who wrote this book? (laughs) Curve. Like, we're talking about Elisha and this guy, and then all of a sudden, and there were four men with leprosy. Like, if you're a good publisher, you would say, you know, you need to rewrite that chapter. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. You're talking about this guy, and and then all of a sudden there's four guys with leprosy. Where'd that come from? Just out of nowhere, right? This is like, whatever. But this is what happens. There were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting? So then they have this whole conversation, these guys. So there was these guys, they just show up. So there's this awkward transition where it goes from Elisha telling the king and prophesying. And this guy's like, that's not going to happen. And then there were these four guys sitting by the gate. Now, what's interesting, remember, the title of the message is Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing. So there's these four guys with leprosy. And they have this conversation. 
And they have an idea. Well, let's see. We can sit here and die. We can go into the city where there's famine and they're eating dove's dungs and ladies are boiling their own sons. <laughs> Probably going to die. Or we could go out to the Armenian camp. And if they embrace us, hey, we're all good. We got food. We're good to go. We'll just hang out with them. And if they don't embrace us and they kill us, we're going to die anyway. Really good options. Sometimes we get in those same predicaments in our own life today. And we think, well, I could do this, it ain't going to matter. I could do this, it ain't going to matter. I could do this, might as well just die. And people take their lives because they look at the circumstantial situations. So they just started believing. And they, they really had no idea. Now remember this, the, the story's going, we got Elisha telling this, this part of the story, right? And then, and he's saying all these things. Hey, guys. I got 10 more minutes on my clock. I don't know. You're going to have to play for 10 minutes. So they're telling this. The story's going on, and God's saying to Elisha, Hey, about this time, and he's telling the king, Tomorrow about this time, man, you're going to have flour and food, and it's going to be a whole new day. At the same time, four lepers are sitting at a gate having a conversation with each other while playing cornhole they're just sitting there well, we're going to die anyway we go over there we're going to die we're going over there we're gonna... or we could go out there and give it a shot see if we make it they don't know what God is telling Elisha is going to happen tomorrow they have no idea ooh dramatic keyboard moment <laughs> see you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know when you walk into work tomorrow what God's doing on your behalf. You don't know what's coming next. Some of you single ladies been believing for a man. You don't know what God is doing and arranging up in there in heaven for you. Might as well forget even putting on makeup. No, put on the makeup. Put it on. It is what it is. It is what it is. Come on. <laughs> See, but here's the deal with the four guys. They didn't stop believing. Because something inside of them said, I'm tired of being in the same place in my life. Waiting for someone else to bless me. Waiting for this thing or that thing in my life to go away or this adjustment. I'm tired of blaming God and blaming other people for my life situation. The only one who can change this is moi or God. And so they took a risk. They took an opportunity and they began to move. Say move. That was the third song. Just begin to move. Just begin to believe. Don't stop believing. Because some of us have stopped our faith. We stop believing in God. We come to church, but we really don't believe or have faith in God because you haven't seen Him move because you're looking with this eye rather than this eye. 
Spirit of God on the inside of you. They began to move, amen? So here's the question, and I'm not directing this at any individual. I'm just asking because I've heard people say these things. When are you going to get tired of saying you're tired? When are you going to get tired of saying you're tired and do something about not being tired? Because we can say it all day long, but something's got to change. Either your eating habits, or your exercise habits, or your sleep patterns, or something has to change. Or go to the doctor and see if there's something chemically not right that you can adjust with some vitamins or something. But being tired all the time, I'm just so tired, I'm just so tired. People are always saying, I'm just so tired, but you're missing out on life and you're not believing in faith because you're always so tired. Your kids are tired of you saying that you're tired. Your husband, your wife are tired of hearing you say that you're tired. But you can be tired. It is what it is. When are we going to get tired of breathing hard after we go up one set of steps? When are we going to get tired of our pants not fitting like they're supposed to? And our zipper popping? And we got stretchy pants on all the time because we can't fit in our other pants. When are we going to get tired of being like that? Because everybody has a choice to change the situation. Either I'm going to change it or God's going to change it. I got good news for you. You got to change that one. Amen? When are we going to get tired? When are we going to get tired of being broke? I'm just broke. I'm always broke. I'm always broke. See, we're confessing about what we see in our bank account, but we're not doing anything about it to change the situation. We're not taking a second job. We're not going, how can I improve myself? How can I get more uh, education so I can get to this type of career? We just accept what's being handed out. Well, it just is what it is. These guys didn't stop believing. They kept moving forward. As a matter of fact, this church wouldn't even exist if Pastor Jennifer and I and some committed people had not said, let's go make this happen. Let's move. Let's believe. We don't see a whole lot with these eyes, with the 30 people that we started with. But we kept declaring and decreeing what we see with this eye, the spirit of faith. Amen? We've come a long way from Victoriano Elementary School multi-purpose room with aluminum set-up chairs and a suit and tie. What? Yeah, shut up. <laughs> Amen? See, most people want God to move first, and God's waiting on us to move. I think Pastor Boyd already said that this morning. See, that takes zero faith when God does it for you. Think about Abraham. Abraham, God tells him, Abraham... I want you to go this way to a place. Abraham's, what place? God's like, I don't know. There's going to be a place. And Abraham's going to leave everything he's got. All the stuff. And he's just going to go that way and just obey God. Now, most people will say Abraham was the father of faith. He was the one who established faith. You know, Abraham was the guy. Abraham was not the guy. You know who had the greatest faith, who started faith? His wife, Sarah. Y'all still here? Because you're like, you didn't get that. Because see, Sarah had to have faith that her husband actually heard God's voice. 
to say, let's move to this place that God said isn't really there yet, but when I, you get there, I'll show you. And then Sarah had to have faith in her husband who had faith in God. She had the greatest faith. Believing that joker heard from God to then follow him to a place that he said ain't really there yet. That's great faith. Amen? Amen. So if they didn't stop believing God and God came through for them, maybe we should have a little bit more faith in God that God's going to come through for us. Don't stop believing. Amen? They didn't stop believing. So then the Lord caused the Armenian army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sound of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. They cried to one another, so they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, their horses, donkeys, and everything else, and they fled for their lives. I have one question for you. Who heard this great army coming? The Armenians heard it. Who caused them to hear that? God caused them to hear that. I got a question for you. Did the four leper guys sitting at the gate hear that? No. They did not hear that. They did not hear the army. They did not hear the clattering of horses. They did not hear a great army approaching. They just were like, well, we're going to die if we go there. We're going to die if we go here. We might as well go out to that Armenian camp. They didn't know what God was doing while they're having this natural, it is what it is, discussion. And then they start going out to this because they made a decision to move. They made a decision to change something. They made a decision to move forward in God. They made a decision in the natural, but then they stepped in by faith, believing that there's going to be something better on the other side, not knowing that God had caused this noise, this sound, to be heard amongst all those people. I can imagine one guy going, hey, we need to run, we need to go, and everybody else going, no, go ahead, dude, but we're going to be fine. No, everybody heard the same sound. That's a pretty amazing miracle that God causes a whole army, a whole move of people to all hear an army coming, to all hear clattering of hooves coming, to all hear this, and they all run in panic, and they flee into the night, and they leave everything just sitting there, and these four leper guys come walking in. It is what it is. Oh, look at this. They started drinking and eating and horses and all this stuff, and then in their hearts, now you got to tell me, Four guys with leprosy who sat at the gate and people didn't give them anything. And now the next day they go, hey guys, this isn't right. We need to go tell everybody else. We need to go tell all those people who never gave us anything while we're sitting at the gate. We need to go tell all those people that walked by us many, many times and just looked at us weird and lepers, lepers. We need to go tell them. Look how awesome God is. Look what he did for us. We just walked into this. We need to share it with others. See, the lepers didn't hear what the enemy heard in their ears. So we cannot stop believing. My last little illustration, then we'll close. David walks out, and he doesn't take... the battle armor because it wasn't him but he just walks out and he faces Goliath and he sees Goliath and they estimate he was between 8 to 9 feet tall and here's little David because the Bible called him uh, a rut a ruddy, ruddy, something like that little guy, little guy, red hair, freckle face and he just walks out and he just looks at this giant Goliath now Goliath speaks to David and he goes who's this guy? 
You come with me with sticks. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to destroy him. I can't even believe you brought this little guy out to fight me. I'm Goliath. But then notice when the enemy spoke to David. David didn't retreat. Some of us retreat. When we get the bad report, we retreat. We forget who we believe in. When things don't look exactly like we think they should look, we retreat on our faith. We are seeing with our natural eyes instead of with our spiritual eyes. We're operating by the other realm rather than God's realm. David turned and looked at Goliath. And he goes, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? I'm going to take you out. I'm going to come over there. I'm going to cut off your head. Saka. It is what it is. And then he flung his rock, took him out, and went and did exactly. The point is, many times we give in to our circumstances, our situations, and we back off because the enemy's speaking against us. And things are coming against us. Rather than believing in the God that we serve, who are you to come against my God? That's what he spoke to him. In other words, David's like, who do you think you are? You just spoke against the God of the armies of Israel? I'm going to take you out. In other words, you didn't speak against me, David. And that's where many of us get it wrong. We think we're being attacked. And that's when we got to respond. Who are you to come against my God? And that's when David came back. So we, that's because he was seeing with the eyes of faith. He was declaring what he saw the end result being before he actually saw it with his physical eyes. John 11 verse 40 says, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you would just believe Martha, Mary, Lazarus come forth? Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10 says, if you would believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. Think about Noah. God told him to build an ark that it was going to rain, and it had never rained. Like if you said, hey, it's going to rain, people, what's rain? Like they didn't know what rain was. But he had faith not stop believing, and he built the ark, even though people were ridiculing him, coming against him. You can imagine and then the floods came. He's like, this is rain. It is what it is. I'm going. I built the ark. You ain't. Something I did notice when I was reading this yesterday. The Bible says that God told him to take seven clean animals and two of the unclean. For all these years, the Bible says, and then they came onto the ark two by two. So that's why people think that there was two of every animal. But God actually said, take seven of the clean. So our little Noah's Ark illustrations and all of our children's ministries all across the world are wrong. <laughs> it's not just believing. It's confessing. Don't stop believing act upon what we believe because faith the opposite of that is not fear the opposite of faith is seeing are you seeing in the natural realm or are you seeing in the spiritual realm what do we see let's stand to our feet Father we thank you in Jesus name
that you want us just to believe, just like the four lepers who believed there was something better if they would just act and move upon your word. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for the prophet Elisha that spoke and declared what you said, and then it came to pass. We thank you, Father God, that we speak and declare over this group of people today, over Generations Church. Father God, we thank you for the blessings. Father God, we thank you in Jesus' name for increase, for Generations Church, for all of our locations and all of our campuses. We thank you for expanding, Father God. We thank you for the mission within our heart to accomplish and do, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. You help people to respond to you and your word by faith, that we're moved by faith in our hearts and not moved by circumstances, but what we see. Father God, we thank you in the name of Jesus for every person here today in this place. That, Father God, they're encouraged to operate in faith and move towards you. We give you praise and glory and honor. And, Lord, we just come in agreement as the church. We pray for all of our students. We pray for all the staff that have sacrificed time at work, time to go up and spend pouring into the lives of teenagers to see them change. Father God, so we just pray in Jesus' name for this week's summer camp for our teenagers that they are radically impacted. Father God, changed, healed, set free. Father God, in Jesus' name at summer camp, we pray for our guest speaker. We pray for his flights. Father, we pray for all the other churches coming and we just come in agreement right now Father in Jesus name we come in agreement right now Father God for those watching online whatever they need in their life in Jesus name that they would operate by faith in you and in your word we thank you for it Father in Jesus name Amen